Hello, and welcome to the place where the revolution will not be televised. But it may be podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm John. This is the People's Podcast. Today we'll be talking about the 14th episode of Season 5 of The Walking Dead, an episode entitled Spend. As normal, we'll talk through the episode... Uh, focus on any issues that grab our fancy as we go along, and then at the end we'll cover some other stuff in general questions. This episode opens with Gabriel in his new church room. And it's been decked out with some nice stained glass, and someone's left him strawberries and a little note saying how blessed they are to have him in the community. And he seems troubled by all of this, you know, niceness he's getting to live in, this paradise he's getting to live in. And he starts ripping out pages from his Bible and, and really goes to town on it. Rips out basically the second half of the book. Has a bit of a freak out. And as he's looking up to the heavens, seeking some sort of not being a total dick guidance, the credits start. Any comments on this scene? Gabriel continues to be super annoying. I did think he'd been back for about... 90 seconds at the point where I was like, actually, you can go away for another two episodes. <laughs> right, I know. No sooner did he walk on screen than I remembered why I wanted him to go. <laughs> <laughs> we come back in after the credits, and Noah is meeting Reg first thing in the morning. Noah wants Reg to teach him about all of the architecty knowledge he has. How to build walls, how to rebuild houses, because Noah's finally starting to see a bit of a future for himself, and he wants to start preparing for this future. Um, He also... He obviously wants to learn how to build completely attackable walls. Important knowledge for this world. Completely attackable walls. Yes. Right. Walls with, you know, ramparts for attackers to climb up. (laughs) And because... Just because I felt this whole season was waiting for Noah to be a sacrificial lamb of some sort, as soon as this scene happened, I just thought, well... They're going to just smack him down. And, yeah, it doesn't take long. Took even less time than I was thinking as I watched it. Yep. You get a shot of Abraham waking up. And he's washing his face and, you know, getting ready for the day. And he has this very sort of lost, directionless look on his face. Mm. Something we've become familiar with since the Washington plan went away. Mm, Yes. Meanwhile, completing our morning roundup. A crew is getting ready to go out and do a run for supplies. And in particular, they're getting a series of some sort of electronic thing. Did you know what they were? <laughs> um, at the time, I remember thinking, I should I should remember what those things are for the podcast. But now I can't remember. I think they were, they were something to do with, with fixing the electrical grid because it yes. failed. Yeah. Uh, I thought perhaps it would, might have been some kind of electronic transformer or something like that. I think the box that they were cutting them out of at the warehouse called them inverters. Oh, yeah. But whatever. They they were getting... Electrical doodads. Yeah, they are getting some sort of electrical doodad which Eugene knew would fix the grid. Um, Eugene doesn't want to go on the run. He thinks he can just tell them what they need to get, but they're not having any of that. He's got to come. He's got to be there in case they need to make a decision about what supplies to grab. 
And Noah forces him, basically, to take a gun that he's not at all keen on. But we get a good long lingering look at the gun, which is important for later on. Aiden's still a bit of a cocky dick, but it turns out is less objectionable than Nicholas, who decides they're going to set off into the wilderness playing music that even now would be vaguely offensive as driving music. (laughs) But in the zombie apocalypse is just wanker music. Yes. Yeah. Um, Tara is talking to Noah about... She wants to know a little bit about Holly and and what he's found out about this young woman. Mm. So, obviously, Tara's got her eye on someone. is heavily implied. Yes. And meanwhile, everyone's saying goodbye to their loved ones there. So Maggie and Glenn have a sweet little goodbye, and Aiden gets a lingering goodbye from his parents. Never a good sign. <laughs> if you're ever living in a dangerous situation, don't let anyone ever give you a meaningful goodbye. <laughs> it's the kiss of death. <laughs> Rick is starting his patrol for the day and he finds Jessie in her garage trying to pick up the remains of the owl statue that just keeps on giving. <laughs> uh, well, someone clearly in uh, in the town has got very good taste. Absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> They've destroyed it. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, but Rick decides he's going to investigate this attack on Jessie's feathery growler and... She, they have a you know sweet little moment. And they're smiling at each other, and off he heads. How on earth he's going to investigate this without even the ability to take <laughs> fingerprints? Who the fuck knows? Well, you know, back in the day, that's just what people did. People used to just go around asking people questions. I like the idea he's just going to start, you know, dunking people to see who's the witch. <laughs> no, no, no. I feel like I feel like uh, Rick Grimes has just got the look. You know, just say, "Did you do it?" And then, you know, he gives them the Rick Grimes look, you know, the Rick Tater look, the one that says, I will know if you're lying. Yeah. And if you're lying, you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) Maybe they should add to their list of three questions a fourth one. Did you mess with the owl statue? (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. It would be a good way to throw people off. It would be like asking the questions at the end of Holy Grail. (laughs) What is your favourite colour? Uh, uh, <laughs> It'd be great. Back to the run crew. Um, they've reached the back end of a warehouse. And Aiden and Nicholas are sort of ready to go in half-cocked and just work it out once they're in there. But Glenn talks... Amateurs. Amateurs. Glenn talks enough sense, and Aiden does actually listen to him in the end, say, no, no, we should... It makes sense to do a scout around and check the perimeter. And it's a good thing they do, because the running out the front door backup plan they've got is clearly a terrible plan. The front of this place is swarmed. Mm-hmm. As the group is walking around doing the perimeter check, Tara and Eugene have a conversation, and she's really shocked at how openly craven he is. Mm. You know, he thinks... He still is kind of telling himself that he did this group a favour by putting the notion into their head that they should go to Washington. Mm. And, uh, I mean, I'm assuming that you think that's as ludicrous as I do. Well, yes, of course. I'm just checking. Well, people died to get there. Yeah. You and know. her point, we got you here, not you getting us here. Yeah. It's a pretty solid point. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it smacks of... He's looked for a reason to feel okay about some of the shit he's done, and yeah. he's come up with a not very good one, <laughs> which Tara has 
corrected him of. Yeah. Which I think sorely needed to happen. I do think this scene also provided a little reminder for us that Tara is one of the few people he has any sort of genuine emotional connection with. Mm. And she was the one who he was able to be honest enough with to start breaking down the enormous web of lies he had built. Yes. So even this even this small conversation where he's able to be completely honest with her about how afraid he is and mm. how you know he just has no stomach at all for hardening up and becoming a contributing member of this group. Yeah. It's even even that although his his conversation wasn't fun, it's a reminder that they have this connection. Yes. I thought it was also a reminder because we haven't seen Eugene for a while and and even when we have, it's we haven't really we haven't seen him properly mm. since all the way back on the road when he made that big oh, yeah. revelation. You know, he hasn't meaningfully engaged with anyone on screen since then. I don't think he's spoken. No, no, he's just kind of been in the background. Yeah. So I think this is also a reminder for us of the kind of person that Eugene is. We're just you know being reminded not only that he's a coward, but also you know he's a liar even to himself. Yeah. And- Almost, most importantly to himself, he's able to construct these excuses for himself, yeah. for his behaviour. And then, you know, then he sells those excuses to everyone else as well, but <laughs> with with greater or lesser success. Yes. Unfortunately, Dr. Tara is here <laughs> to analyse you and tell yeah. you, actually, you're full of bullshit, Eugene. Yeah. I like Tara more and more. Yes. I have, I've come a long way from just thinking of her as fist bump. Yes. Yeah. Well, she also stopped fist bumping. Oh, which good helped. move. Good move, writers. Good move. <laughs> well, I think that, that was also helped with Bob's departure. Her main kind of, you know, happy-go-lucky fist bump mate is gone. So yeah. <laughs> I can't really imagine anyone else in the group fist bumping her. No. No. It's Except maybe like Noah, and that's not an issue anymore. Oh, yeah. That's true. Most of Most of the candidates for that bullshit are just being wiped out. So I'm going to make sure she never fist bumps again. <laughs> The other conversation that happens as they're scouting the perimeter is Noah and Glenn talking. Uh, Noah had made a sort of vaguely impressive quick headshot, and Glenn was complimenting on it, him on it, uh, talking about how Noah's really starting to get the hang of this survival thing. Dun, dun, dun! Oh, dear. Yeah, again, it, all signs pointed to dead. Mm. It's very sad, but there we go. They go into the warehouse and they do a bit of a scout around. No no walkers come out when they bang on the door, but once they've had a good look around, they find that there is a cage, an internal cage, full of walkers mm. that's holding them back. But there's really quite a few on the other side. Of oh, it. yeah. So Chekhov's cage full of walkers. There is one walker on their side of the fence, and it's someone who, for reasons unknown, is in full army kit. Like, he's got sort of riot... Maybe not army, but he's got, like, riot gear on. Mm. Well, he's clearly wearing a bulletproof vest. And a... And a, a, vi- helmet, a helmet with a, visor, with a visor on yeah. it. And he's army enough that he's got a grenade on his chest, because, you know, Aiden keeps shooting at him, even though it's clearly never going to work until he can get rid of the freaking helmet. Mm. And eventually he hits the grenade, and kaboom. Yeah. I mean, thinking about it, I mean, I, I suppose if you're in the situation, that that's a bit different. But thinking about it now, the first thing I can think is, he's got a visor on. He wasn't actually in danger of being bitten. Mm. You know, he could have 
just held the held the walker there until someone was able to come from behind and yeah. stab it in the back of the neck. Yeah. That would have been and in fact, the what, way to handle it. What Glenn was yelling out to him was you need to wait for it to get closer so that you know, like what are you doing? You're wasting everyone's time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's right. I mean he could have done it. He could have waited till it got closer. Literally let it push itself up against his face because of the visor, and stabbed it in the back of the neck himself. Or, you know, I mean, they're not the quickest things ever. Mm. Pull its helmet off while someone else goes at its Well, brain. just push it over. <laughs> well, yeah, so, I mean, there are many, many options. And he just picked the, the worst one the possible. The worst possible outcome. You've turned yeah. this walker into a bomb. Well done. <laughs> it's very consistent, though, with everything we were shown about yeah. how... It's a shame, too, because a grenade would have been quite handy to have in the arsenal. I know, right? <laughs> you know, the, these Nicholas and Aiden were portrayed a couple of episodes ago as being not really up to this, and that's been fairly consistently oh, held. absolutely confirmed now. So after the explosion, Glenn wakes up and he's having a look around, and, and the key things he sees are that Aiden has been skewered, so he's been thrown back against a wall and, and his body is impaled and he's looking dead. And Tara has been injured. There's a lot of blood around and she's unconscious. Eugene's near her, but not really handling the situation very well. Not that surprising. Um, And the walkers are loose from the cage. So it's all very bad. Walkers are starting to come at them. They need to to evacuate the area. Carol's walking through her house and her spidey senses tingle. (laughs) And she finds the cookie brat, who I will now refer to as Sam... Hiding in the cupboard. I think I prefer Cookie Brat. Eh, he, he stopped being so much of a brat this episode. Yeah, actually. We'll wait until we get to that scene, but I have a couple of comments about him. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, his behaviour this episode I was sort of okay with. Yeah. Last episode, I just wanted him to be seen and not heard. Not even seen, really. Yeah, not even seen would have been fine. <laughs> yeah. Carol sort of is um, trying to be very cold to Sam. He Well... Not even trying. Totally succeeding. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely true. She's completely succeeding at being a stone-faced bitch to this kid. And when he wants her to show him how to cook the biscuits, she gives him his mission to go and steal chocolate. Oh, and by the way, you've got to steal some chocolate for me as well. And once you've dealt with that, maybe I'll help you make the biscuits. Basically, she's a terrifying mafia boss. Yeah. Or a Fagan. Yeah. Back at the warehouse, they've managed to get to this sort of internal office, and Tara is laid out on the desk, she's still unconscious, things are looking very bad, and they realise that Aiden, although skewered, is actually still alive. So, they have a quick debate, and actually it's kind of Eugene who, who finally seals the question of whether they should try and rescue Aiden, by saying it's absolutely what Tara would want. Tara mm. would want us to go and save this guy. Yeah. So, when he says us, he really means them. He, she would want you guys to go save this guy. And which, they do. Well, I mean, which is also... I mean, it's not just... It's not just Eugene being a coward. It's also... You three are the most... Well, maybe not Nicholas. But certainly, Glenn and Noah are the most capable people here. Yeah. That if someone's going to rescue Aiden, it's not going to be me. I will yeah. stay here and, you know basically just make sure the door stays shut. Yes, yeah. And, I mean, in this one instance, that's fine. That makes sense. But 
And I think this is what Tara was kind of getting at and why she had such hilarious faces in that conversation with Eugene earlier. His decision to never change that situation and never try and develop his skills into someone who might be useful in a situation like this, that decision is not really acceptable. No. No. Not Not when so many people risk so much. All the time. And, you know, other people died. Mm. To get him to where he is. You know, he, he owes it to the group. Yeah. To become, you know, as functional as he can be. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, maybe he'll only ever become, you know, just about alright at getting through. You know, he doesn't have to be in the top fleet of, mm. of badasses. He just needs to become better than totally useless. Mm. And to be fair, he basically starts steps towards that this episode. Yeah. But we'll get to that in a minute. Um... So Abraham, they, sorry. I was oh. going to say, so they make this decision to try and save Aiden. Yes. And they, we see them start the plan by um, pushing the door open and firing a flare in the opposite direction to draw, to lure yes. the walkers away. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Those flares, man, they must have an endless supply. <laughs> Back over to Abraham. He's at his day job, which apparently is collecting more supplies for the building and expanding of the wall that Reg is overseeing. But the bloke we saw last episode, Tobin, he's in charge of the construction crew. Mm-hmm. And you can see Abraham's sort of frustrated by the slow pace that's being set. You know, I can't believe you guys think this will take two weeks to collect this stuff and and there's a whole lot of rules, but it's all a bit laissez-faire. And, and he's just... He's still very stressed out. He's very much... Um, got some of the same signs that Sasha was showing last week. Yes. That's, yeah. Particularly, you know, when he's pushing up against the side of this truck. Like, Mm. seriously looking like he's having a hard time keeping it together. Yeah. That was, that was the moment where I was like, hmm, Sasha. Yeah. But whereas Sasha was hearing Walker's attack while sitting in the middle of a lounge room, he starts to hear them and you think, oh, maybe he's hearing, and then actually Walker's are attacking. Yeah. Um, and so Walker's attack the crew, uh, one of the crew members was was perched up in a raised shovel. Hmm. So a big a, a big sort of bulldozer shovel was raised up and they were up there as a lookout. What kind of lookout they were if they let that many walkers get that close, who can say? But anyway, what they don't deserve is what happens because Tobin, as he's firing off at the walkers, managed to hit, manages to hit the hydraulics that are holding the shovel up and this woman, who we find out is called Francine, gets dumped and and her leg is very badly injured and she's stuck there in the middle of this crowd of approaching walkers. Tobin basically says, well, that's a bit of a shame. Quick, everyone out of here. And Abraham won't accept that and he goes off to save Francine. And he does a pretty, pretty kick-ass job, it's got to yeah. be said. He um, grabs her, puts her into one of the... Well, puts her into the cabin of the bulldozer. He does some crawling underneath. He gives her the gun and he starts wailing on them with this, what is effectively a swinging mace. Mm. Um, I don't know exactly what the tool was itself. but it I, th- I think it, it looked to me like it was some kind of wrench with, I thought it looked like a helmet attached. Oh, okay. That's what I thought it looked like. And he swung it around a few times. At some point the helmet came off and he just started... He just started stoving skulls in with yeah. the wrench. But initially it sort of looked like a morning star it kind did. of set <laughs> Yes. 
are medieval construction tools. <laughs> and importantly, as the, as he continues to fight and Francine starts to shoot, the construction crew members start to disobey Tobin's orders in mm. order to go and save the two of them. Yes. So they break ranks. They don't stay back and, and continue with Tobin's incredibly cautious plan. They actually go out there and, and join Abraham in his rescue attempts. Rick gets a visit from a drunk Pete. And Pete's very sort of... Although he's talking about the need for them to be friends, he's pretty menacing and talks about Rick's dead wife. And and it's actually kind of convincingly written as one of those conversations where you get the impression about what the drunk person's thinking about without them ever saying it. Yeah. It was quite disturbing. Yeah. Really quite disturbing. Of course, what we know, and that he doesn't, is that... Is that, you know, the moment that Rick is disturbed, uh, and, you know, I mean, the guy also makes references to his children. He says, you know, come and get your kids checked out. Yeah. Which, you know, from a perfectly normal person who was a doctor would sound quite reasonable, but from this guy, sounds like a failed threat. Yeah. And we all know what happens when someone threatens Rick's children. Bad things. Bad things. Yeah. I keep thinking back about... Aaron talking about the great surgeon they had. Mm. And I get that it was a sales pitch, but he didn't need to volunteer that information. And if Pete is the guy he was talking about, who's the great surgeon, uh, maybe he has sober weeks, but Jesus, Mm. I hope it's not. After he leaves, Rick starts to um, fiddle with the ring on his finger, his his wedding ring. Mm. And... You wonder how much longer he's going to wear it. I thought at first that he was actually reaching to take it off. Mm. And it sort of implied that he was thinking about it. Certainly. Well, it's, it's, you know, he definitely has the hots for Jesse. Mm. And a pretty strong symbol of him getting over Laurie is going to be taking off the ring. And, you know, singing and dancing and says, wasn't it great when my wife died? <laughs> not so great when my son had to shoot her. Yes, yeah. And not, suboptimal. But suboptimal. Overall, still a win of a day. <laughs> You're a cold woman. <laughs> Back at the warehouse, Eugene is talking to an unconscious Tara, and his conversation really sounds like he's going to make a run for it himself. He's yeah. eyeing off the exit. He says, "You know, I don't take any responsibility for this. You can't blame me for acting within my uh, nature." I was a scorpion all along. and But what it turns out he's going to do is save Tara. And he starts making his getaway with her slung over his shoulder in a sort of fireman's hold. Mm. And at that moment, I really started to like Eugene. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't... I'm not sure if I'd go so far as to say I started to like him. But he started to earn a little respect mm. at that point. Yes, okay, that's maybe more accurate. Um, I think I probably started to like him a bit later on when he decided to actually stand up to someone. Yes. Well, it's interesting. I really feel like the one of the key elements of this episode was the comparison between him and Nicholas. Yeah. Because Nicholas starts off as, you know... I mean, we know he's a bit of a cocky bastard and probably not as good at this shit as, say, um, Glenn or Rick... Certainly not as good as Daryl. But he is, um, you know, 
he starts off definitely in a position where he's more skilled, apparently, than someone like Eugene for this mm. world. But actually, as the episode progresses, where Eugene, when it really push comes to shove, he puts Tara over his shoulder and mm. walks her out, mm. even though he's terrified and he's the worst shot in the world, <laughs> he does that. And in the very next scene, what we have is while Glenn is trying to save everyone and trying to save Aiden's really badly injured, you know? Mm. He's got poles through the guts, through his shoulder, through one of his legs. Oh, I didn't see this. And once, once he... Well, I think, I think that's basically right. Once you pull him out, what's going to happen to his... You know, he's going to go into shock, he's going to bleed out. He's just, you know... What are the chances of saving this guy? And Glenn is there trying to do it. Mm. And Noah's, you know... Obviously afraid, but he's there backing up Glenn. And Nicholas just... Bales. Bales. He just ducks out. So, you know, you get this... There's that immediate comparison between them. And I feel like through the whole episode, it is about drawing that contrast between Mm. the totally ill-equipped, totally terrified Eugene and Mm. the decisions he makes when he's really pushed. And this guy, Nicholas, who shouldn't have any of that... um, You know, this guy, Nicholas, who's who's coming more equipped for this situation. Mm. Who's volunteered for this situation. Mm-hmm. And when he gets put to the hard decision, every single time, he just screws the people around him. Yeah. One of the other things we find out in that scene where they're trying to save Aiden is first through a sort of muttered thing from Nicholas and then through Aiden just admitting it outright as his sort of, you know, deathbed confession, the group of people who they worked with previously on the run crew, they didn't die because they panicked and didn't follow the rules. He admits that they died, the four people died, because Nicholas and him panicked mm. and got them killed. Yep. So, you know, at least Aiden got that off his chest, I guess. Mm. It's very hard to feel a lot of sympathy for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, well, you know, he does the ultimate in, in redeeming acts, and that is dying horrifically as he is pounced on by all of these... We get a really lingering shot of him getting eaten. Yeah, we see the intestines come out. Oh, really bad. You know, we see him... We watch him be eaten alive. I do feel like maybe just before this episode was shot, there was a half-price sale on fake blood. (laughs) You know, fake blood must be pretty cheap. I think so, yeah. You know, we're talking like one cent a gallon. Yeah. (laughs) Back at the construction crew, Abraham confronts Tobin and just says, what the fuck was that? You're going to leave people to die when they didn't need to. Um, And whereas Tobin appeals to Francine to say, this is just how we do it, Francine punches him really well. Yeah. I like her already. Yes. Um... The crew, though, is sort of talking about going home. This all got a bit freaky today. It's time to go home. And Abraham just says, no, there's three hours of daylight yet left. We can set proper lookouts. We're, we're staying here. And the crew, again, follows his orders over Tobin's. And Tobin goes. Back at the warehouse, they're running away from the walkers. They're still stuck inside. And Nicholas... Uh, tries to escape, can't go through the front door because, as we mentioned before, there's a massive swarm out there. Um, And all of them end up in opposing sides of a revolving door. Mm. So they're all away from the walkers on either side of them, but neither neither Glenn and 
Uh, neither Glenn and Noah, who are in one of the quarters, nor Nicholas in the other quarter, can actually go in or out without getting attacked. Mm. Um, back in Alexandria, Tobin is talking to Deanna and Reg and Maggie, and we see this this more, we see more of Maggie being the part of the governing team yeah. that's coming from Rick's group. Mm. And it's sort of, you know, it made sense in all the discussions this episode, but I still want to see the conversation where that got set up. <laughs> and I want to see the conversation she's having with Rick and Co. when she gets back every night from yeah. running the place. Anyway, that's a problem for another day. Because this time Tobin is saying to Deanna, you should put Abraham in charge of the crew. He's better at this. He's, you know... He's going to keep more of them alive. He's going to get more work done. I think you should sack me from this and put him on the job. Yep. And it's a, you know, good on him. Mm. Deanna makes the comment once Reg and Tobin have gone. She makes the comment to Maggie that she just seems to keep finding herself in situations where she needs to put one of Rick's group in a position of power within the community. Yeah. And it's a sort of slow, democratic takeover. Yeah. Maggie, instead of saying, oh, don't worry about, you know, she basically agrees with her. Yeah. She, she says, owns up to it. Yeah, she says, look, he's going to be really good at the job, you know. We know our shit. Yeah. And it's not just he'll be good at this job for this in this case. She is acknowledging that, yes, our, the group that you brought in mm. because we know how to do things knows how to do things and we are taking over because we know how to do things. Yeah. So, I thought that was interesting that she completely owned up to that situation and said, well, of course. Sam has come back with the chocolate, and Carol and he... Uh, the, Carol and he bake the biscuits, and they're just cleaning up after having done that. Carol's still being a cold-faced bitch to him. She doesn't want to talk, she doesn't want to make any sort of small chat. But he keeps talking himself, even if he's, you know, not getting anything back from her. Mm-hmm. And he says a few things that definitely add up to be troubling. Mm. He talks about when he gets sad, he breaks things. Mm. And he knows that he does this on purpose. Yeah. And it certainly is hinted that he might have broken the owl. Well, he admits to it. Does he? I don't think he does. Yeah. Carol says, Carol says, did you break the owl? Yeah. And he nods. Alright, so he admits to breaking the owl statue. And in that case, that's, that's a question of, you know, what sort of kid gets so sad that he... Mm. knowingly is breaking stuff. And the other thing he says, when he's talking to Carol about why she stole the guns, she says, well, sometimes you need to protect yourself. And he asks whether he could have one. Mm. Sam's interested in getting a gun. And it's pretty evident that someone he cares about needs protection, he thinks. And all these things individually would be quite troubling. But adding them up is, you know, this is a very dark conversation she's having with a young kid. And, so, and Carol looks pretty worried about it. Eventually, when she starts to confront Sam about why he might want a gun, mm. he runs off. Doesn't even take any of the cookies. No, I was going to say, and that's worrying too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A kid who's not interested in biscuits, that's a kid who's messed up. <laughs> Back at the revolving door, they're at this sort of impasse where Noah and Glenn have ended up with all the guns and Nicholas has ended up with all the ammo. Mm-hmm. And none of them can, none of them can go anywhere, as, as I mentioned before. But luckily, not only did Eugene get Tara to the van safely, he then turns up 
and draws off a lot of the walkers on the outside by making a lot of noise and playing the obnoxious music loudly. Yeah. And he does the sort of pig gambit from the uh, from the prison. Mm. Where he just slowly draws them away. Mm. Nicholas decides to choose this moment to completely fuck over everyone else in the group. Everyone else in the group. And he pushes his way to the outside, which means that Glenn and Noah's revolving door pushes inwards towards the swarm on the inside. And Noah gets got. He does. He really, really gets, badly. really gets got. Yeah. And it's it's not at all... He's allowed no dignity in death at all. No. You know, he, he, he gets pulled into the, into the walker swarm and then, you know, <laughs> hurls himself against the glass, mm. you know, in a desperate attempt and futile attempt to get away. Yeah. And Glenn is forced to watch. Really, really close up. Really close up as Noah is literally pulled apart. Yeah. It's really gruesome. And Glenn's reaction, he just looks devastated. Yeah. Completely horrified and devastated. And it's... um, I was thinking about it and thinking that even this far in, and even having seen all of the horrors they have, having someone with that sort of proximity just ripped apart. Yeah. While you're not running away yourself or looking away or trying to shoot other people or, you know, you're all you have to do is watch it. Mm. That might even be a new experience for Glenn. Mm. Yeah. And it's just horrific. Continuing this idea that Nicholas and Eugene are being contrasted in this episode, Nicholas chases down the van and tells Eugene to, you know, move over because they're getting out of here right now. And Eugene stands up to him totally unexpectedly. Mm. Yeah, he goes so far as to trying trying to pull a gun on him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he fails, but... But he tried. He tried. Yeah, for thought that counts. It is absolutely the thought that counts. And he does hold him back long enough for Glenn to catch up with them. Pull him out of the van. And, oh, Glenn just goes to town on that guy. Oh, when when he punches Nicholas, he punches for all of us. Absolutely. He doesn't kill Nicholas, though. He says put him in the back of the van. And I think that's almost a worse fate. Because in all situations beforehand where he and Aiden left people to die, or maybe even Nicholas did that himself, if you're the only survivor, you can get away with a shame-like existence. Yes. No one knows that you shot what's-his-name in the leg and left him at the school. No one knows that you are the reason those four people died. But going back to a community knowing that everyone is going to know what you did... Mm knowing that everyone's going to know you're the reason that, well, definitely that Noah died. Mm. Maybe that they couldn't get Aiden off the wall. Mm. That's a bad time. Yeah. And that's forever. Yeah. Or until the community decides to banish you. Well, yes, I mean, it raises the question, what are they going to do with him? Yeah. What's Rick going to do when he hears what this guy did to Noah? Yeah. And tried to do to Glenn? Yeah. Yeah. And tried to do to Eugene. Yeah, well, you got to wonder if he even would have just left Tara, taken the time to turf her out. Mm. And yeah. just come back with the story of, oh, I'm the only one who escaped. Yeah, oh, it's terrible, you know. Mm. We got totally overrun. It was the, it's all I could do to get out. Yeah. Not going to be able to pull that shit. No. Carol goes to see Pete. And she tries to see Sam. Oh, it's a bad time. 
tries to see Jesse. Oh, it's a bad time. And Pete continues to be pretty... Menacing. Menacing, yeah. yeah. And Carol recognises the signs. Absolutely. I mean, this is really interesting because it's something that I've wondered. What would... I mean, it's not the exact situation, but what would today's Carol do about... What was her husband called? Ed. Ed. Something that we've talked about before. Yeah. You know, how would the Carol of now deal with that situation? Yeah. And I think I um, suggested that it's possible that encountering a situation like that would be traumatic enough to cause a kind of reversion in Carol. I mean, you know, these things are... People call them triggers for a reason. Mm. <laughs> um, but, you know, the other side of it is... Carol just goes, you have to die now. Well, it's interesting. She doesn't just formulate a plan to kill him quietly, though. No, no, she, no. She's changed her operation, her, her modus operandi, because now she's going to Rick, the leader of her group, and she's, yep. she's going to who she considers to be the decision maker and the per- beholder of the forum. Mm. And Well, she made the mistake of unilateral action before. Exactly, mm. you know. But now she's... She hasn't changed her idea about what needs to happen. No. But she's definitely changed her way of going about it. Mm. It's interesting. Uh, Before we get to that scene, though, Eugene is in the back of the van, and as Glenn drives, the gun that Noah forced on Eugene at the beginning of the episode, he's using to to guard Nicholas. Mm. So he's starting to pull his weight as it was put forward at the beginning of the episode. Tara's looking in a bad way, but she's still alive. Mm. And if anyone knows about ludicrously surviving vegetable-like situations. It's Eugene. It is. And he notices Noah's notebook that he was given by Reg at the beginning of the episode. And in it? He's hopefully scrawled, this is the beginning. The beginning of the end, Noah. Yes. The next scene that happens... The note that I made just says, Gabriel is back and he is the worst. He is, isn't he? Mm. Like, he's literally the... I think he may be the worst person in the entire five seasons of this show. Maybe. Take some... Shane takes some beating. So does Laurie. (laughs) That's true. But let's say he's definitely in the top three. And let's be honest, the governor was no prince either. Yeah, but that's different. The governor was was an actual antagonist. You know, like... the governor was an antagonist. Yeah, but I he like, attacked them. I like the idea that Shane perhaps wasn't. Well, Shane, Shane, look, he Shane was part of the group. Yeah, and you know, in some ways, it, he was kind of more analogous to Gabriel. Gabriel was part of the group. That's true. And what makes you know what makes Gabriel so objectionable is that he's betraying them. Yeah, yeah. that is that is the thing that is so objectionable. After they saved him, after they forgave him for all his bullshit, after they forgave him for all of his terrible, terrible mistakes, and not holding against him the fact that he boarded up his church and let his flock get eaten alive, Mm. you know, like... And not telling the people of Alexandria that when they get here. Yeah, and... As far as we can tell. I mean, what I interpreted this as was his guilt again. Like, he went, went into... The church. church. And, you know, he sees this, you know, lovely place and, oh, isn't it nice? And, oh, strawberries. You know, and 
he feels bad about it because, yes. oh, I'm such a terrible person and I don't deserve this, so none of us deserve this. You know, it's really selfish bullshit yeah. he's pulling. Yeah. And, you know, to go and to go and tell Deanna that, oh, we're all terrible. He doesn't actually say we're all terrible people. He says they're awful people. Yeah. He doesn't say we are. He doesn't yeah, say they, I am. They, they are. They don't deserve this paradise. I hope it's not too late for me to have told you. Oh. Like, what a weasel. Appalling. Yeah. I hope he's dead in the next episode. Well, he might be, because Maggie did overhear him. Yeah. That yeah. was very interesting. It was. I wonder... It was interesting from Deanna's look. I wonder what she thought about the conversation. Yeah. Because she's very non-committal. It could just be her saying, well, you know, thank you thank you for telling me that. I'll take that on board. And she's thinking, crazy asshole. Mm. I can't believe this group puts up with you. Mm. Or she could be genuinely listening to him and having a problem with, with what he's saying. Yes. It's, it's not easy to tell what she's thinking. No. And um, I think deliberately ambiguous. Of course. Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what she makes of it in the next episode. Mm. As he was saying that to Deanna, the shots that it was crossing over to were Abraham now running the work crew, mm. which for this episode was the instance of Rick's group taking over. Yes. So I wonder if that is meant to be her thinking about, these are the people I'm putting in charge, how much do I really know about them? Mm. But again, too ambiguous to tell. Mm. The final scene is Carol going in to tell Rick that... Pete is hitting Jesse and possibly hitting Sam as well. And she cuts pretty quickly to, so you're going to have to kill him. Yeah, that's right. It's not just, well, you're going to have to stop him or apprehend him or, you know, we'll have to bring this to life and there'll need to be a community decision about what to do about this person. It's, this is what we do to people who are like this in this world. Yeah. And it's interesting that, um, although, I mean, Gabriel's bullshit notwithstanding... For Rick's group, Rick seems to still very strongly be the decision maker. Yes. They're not buying into this whole, you know, we've turned up in a place where there's already a government system. <laughs> no. Rick decides what's going to happen. Mm. At least for Carol. And I, I suspect for at least a large portion of his group. Yeah. The other thing, of course, that happened in this episode, it happened oh, back at the beginning, but we saw shots of Daryl on his newly fixed bike heading out into the world. Yes. So... I would love it if we got episodes of just him and Aaron out there. Well, maybe that will be the next episode. It's it's the buddy comedy I've been waiting for on this show. Mm. I think it's going to be amazing. Mm. But that's the end of the episode. I have not many questions. What did you think of the episode overall? I thought it was a very impactful episode. Mm. Um, I thought the sharp contrast drawn between... Eugene and Nicholas was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the sort of political climate, you know, being noted by Deanna was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the shocking deaths were obviously <laughs> were obviously very impactful. And, you know, the 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 way in which the group is being in some ways tested and reacting to you know, these people that they've, that they're now living with is, is what this episode was all about. And I really, really enjoyed it. Mm. Really enjoyed this episode. Uh, at the end of the, uh, <laughs> at the end of it, 
uh, you will remember I declared that I couldn't possibly wait another week (laughs) for the next episode. I'm going to have to, but it is most unwilling. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think? Yes, I I really liked it. I thought it was a more successful blend than last week in terms of, you know, exploring this new world and meeting new characters, but actually having some things occur and having things move forward. Um, I thought, having waited all season to see how exactly they were going to horribly kill off Noah... Mm. I thought all of the sort of dire predictions about, well, they're not going to give him a real character and then he'll just be dead. That stuff was all basically true. Mm. But his death was nonetheless really impactful because it was a death experienced by Glenn. Yes. So instead of just having this guy die and have all the group sort of generally sad about it, Mm. Glenn is obviously going to be genuinely affected by what happened. And you saw that not just as it was happening, but you feel like he is really going to carry that with him. So although... Noah didn't get to be a great character. They didn't just have him around to kill him. They had him around for Glenn to experience that loss. Yes. Which is more use than I thought they were making of the character. Yes. Has it, has it occurred to you as well that Noah's death like this now, in a sense, renders Beth's death completely pointless? Well, it hadn't until just now, but that... That's a really depressing and really accurate thought. If yeah. she had allowed him to stay at the hospital and she had gone with the group, he'd probably still be alive. And, you know, you can't say that Beth would definitely still be alive, but she would have been with them when they arrived at Alexandria. Probably, yeah. Um, it's... There's always going to be ifs and buts. And yeah, what, but this and is what, really what quite close together. This is... Yeah. You know, Beth dies in the finale of the half season and Noah dies six episodes later. Yep. You know? Um, I'm not sure if if that's intentional, but I'm... I find that that makes Noah's death more impactful mm. for me. To know that, you know, someone that I really liked and that we really liked gave herself up so that, you know, she basically died so that he could live and be free from that place, and now he's dead. I think that's a perfectly fine reading of of what's happened and and his storyline. I don't feel like, and I don't feel it for any of the characters, once they survive a situation, Mm. I I didn't, I wasn't watching Noah thinking, well, you're what we traded Beth for. No, no, well, neither was I, really. Mm. It's only just occurred to me since the end of the episode, mm-hmm. as I was thinking about it. But, you know, Beth died so that this guy could be free, and now he's dead. And, you know, that you know, makes it, makes her death even more of a waste. Yeah. Which, you know, and I'm, I'm not complaining about that. You know, I think that it makes it, like I said, I think it makes it more impactful for me. But, you know, it makes me more angry <laughs> at Nicholas. Yeah. Um, I want... I- I'll be interested to see how they portray the group's reaction to Noah dying. I mean, obviously he wasn't as important to many people in the group as Beth was. Um, But, yeah, it's going to be hard for them to draw a a realistic line between why do all these people suddenly care now that he's dead when none of them really gave a shit in life? And on the other end of the spectrum, well, these people are all psychos for not caring at all. 
That's going to be a hard line to walk. Mm. I think that it's going to be more about... I think there's going to be outrage, and the outrage is going to be about he was betrayed. You know, like, fine, maybe we didn't necessarily... We hadn't had Noah with us for that long, and so, you know, he wasn't the same as Michonne or Carol. Mm. But Nicholas was meant to have his back. He oh, yeah, but that's, that's, about, the, that's about the guilt of Nicholas and, and the slime that he is. And that's a separate question to the grief they feel about losing Noah. Yeah, look, I think their reaction is going to be less grief, more anger. I think it's that's going to be I, a lot of anger. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's what I was really getting at. I think they're going to be outraged at the betrayal more than really broken up about Noah. I think you're right, and I think that the outrage and having to deal with the situation they now have is going to be a, a fairly effective disguise on the fact that actually it would be really hard to portray mm. the grief mm. in any sort of realistic way. But, you know, you can't have everything in this life. The other thing I was interested in was um, the scenes we started to see of Maggie taking part in the government of this community. Mm. And although that was sort of a surprise event last episode, and we haven't seen the setup to it, and no one's no one on screen has talked to Maggie about this, I was interested that most of the responses she gave were very loyal responses to her own group, mm. and were certainly the sort of line that the group might have asked her to run if they've been asked about it. Yeah, but. Everything she said was also true. Oh, yeah, I don't think she's a propagandist. I just think, you know, there was no point where... We we didn't get shown scenes of her and Deanna talking about the weaknesses of Abraham and Eugene's personalities or the fact that several people seem to have PTSD. What we saw were instances of her talking about the strengths of her group. Yeah. And either one would have been a plausible thing for us to be shown, but what we were shown was her advocating for her group, not joining Deanna's team. I'm not certain that that's super significant. I mean, I think she was just telling the truth. The fact that the, that the truth happens to also be what she would say if she was only being loyal is a coincidence. I don't think it's important in that she chose to do that stuff. I mean, it's an important choice by the writers. Oh, I see. That what we are seeing is Maggie being very loyal, not Maggie... Because what we could have been shown is scenes of her last week talking with Deanna about, yeah, look, Sasha's a bit of a loose cannon and we need to work out what to do about that. What would that have meant if we had been shown that? Well, that's about Maggie joining Deanna's team and being primarily loyal to Deanna in giving honest advice. Okay. Whereas what we're seeing is Maggie advocating for her group. Did Did we ever think it was really a possibility that any of the group were going to... Drink, drink the Kool Aid. Some of them have. Michonne's drunk the Kool Aid. There's a very good yeah. chance that Glenn and Maggie. I have. don't think that's the same thing. Like, there's wanting to be part of this community, and then there's you know not maintaining the group within it. Mm. And I'm not sure that I ever thought that. I still I don't think Michonne would drink the Kool Aid to the extent that she would reveal the group's weaknesses in a way that they hadn't like agreed to do together. Mm. If you see what I mean. Yep. I, I don't think even Michonne would do that. Well... You know, she really wants to be there. Given that this episode we did see a pretty stark instance of betrayal of the group... Yeah, but that was Gabriel, he's the worst. Uh, yeah, okay. 
So. It's not, yeah, but we know that Gabriel is not Michonne. He's not Carol. He's yeah, but you know the question: Did I see none of the group buying into this? What, like, not not pre this episode, Eugene or Glenn and Maggie being convinced that actually someone in their own group was more dangerous than this community was? Or of course they could have played this out in a way where the group started to get divided up. It was well, they- entirely a possibility. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying is. They're choosing not to show us that. What they're choosing as writers to show us is a group that's hanging together really strongly. Yeah. And in some cases, hanging together seemingly without ever having had to ever sort of plot about that. As far as we've seen, Maggie isn't reporting back to the others about what she's doing. She's just being herself. And being herself means absolutely sticking to the group. Do you think Rick does have to kill Pete? I don't think that he can just decide to kill Pete without having to be clever about it. Like, he doesn't have that freedom, I don't think. He's a constable. I know he's a constable, but this is what I mean by being clever about it. He would have to go into a situation knowing that, or being fairly certain, that Pete was going to attack him, for example, Mm -hmm. and therefore be able to use that as an excuse. He wouldn't just be able to enter the house, shoot him, and then go, well, he was beating his wife. And I decided to kill him. Okay. I don't think he'd be able to do that. Fair enough. But I think it's absolutely something that he would consider um, orchestrating a situation where he could reasonably use deadly force and be able to explain it away afterwards. Um, But I also think that if I was Rick, I don't think that's what I would do. Particularly considering this guy is a doctor. Mm. And... You know, seems to be the only one they've got. Yeah, that's a pretty, that's a valuable resource. You know, I would, what I would be trying to do would be to separate him from his family and probably anyone else, yeah, and from all alcohol, and just say, well, you can live here, we'll feed you, but you've, you know, you've got to do what we say. Yeah, that would be the ideal. That would be the ideal. It is a real consideration. I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, we're ostracizing Merle. (laughs) <laughs> or we're ostracising Gabriel, whose primary skill seems to be talking to imaginary friends. And, and ratting on people. Yeah, and be a total weasel. Being a Judas. Yeah. I think that's the appropriate phrase. I think you're right. But, yeah, a healer, a qualified doctor, mm. that's a totally different world. Yep. And, you know, we we have the parallel from the hospital where the one guy who felt like he had a bit of a shield was the doctor. Mm. To the extent where he was willing to kill off another doctor if they turned up. So that was... It is an interesting question. What do they do when the person you want to completely ostracise or kill actually has this, this vital skill for the community? Yeah. The other person who might be up for some sort of police judgment is Nicholas because obviously he's going to come back in the back of the van there's going to be two witnesses who say what he did are there two witnesses there's at least one and is there at least one because I was thinking about this what did um what did Eugene actually see him do no I because... mean Glenn is at least one witness oh sorry I think sorry I thought you were talking about um someone to corroborate Glenn's story. No, no. See, I was thinking about this and I was I was wondering, is it actually Glenn's word against Nicholas's? Because Eugene wasn't there when they were trying to pull Aiden off of the no. metal so spikes be... and he wasn't there when 
when Noah was killed. So um, it's going to be Glenn's word and Eugene being able to say that Nicholas turned up and tried to force him at gunpoint to drive away. Yes, yes. And I did think that what, you know, the Glenn and Eugene might be able to say is, look, I could make up shit to corroborate Glenn's story, but I'm not. This is what actually happened. Yeah. You know, that in itself would kind of make you... No, it, it might be an argument to, to Deanna to believe Glenn. The and there's that the they could of... They could actually make up a more corroborating story and That's they're not. True. That's true. And there's the question of um, what Glenn's word means to, say, Deanna and Rich, but mm. then what it means to Maggie and Rick. Yeah. And those are going to be two very different responses. If Glenn said this happened, it happened. Yeah. Is what Maggie and Rick are going to say. Oh, absolutely. So, in a situation like this, of course, the options, I mean, apart from some sort of internal punishment or, or the kind of in-community isolation that, that you talked about with Pete being an option, the hardcore options are either death or banishment, really. Mm. Which one of those do you actually think is worse? Mm. You can kind of make the argument that that banishment is crueler because, I mean, for one thing, we know this guy's not prepared for life on the outside. Mm. And that, you know, you could therefore say that banishing him is killing him just a lot slower and a lot more painfully. Yeah. Or, if, I mean, it, it could just be killing him through starvation. Yeah. Really. Well, I don't know. I, I feel like... I feel like if they were going to banish him, they'd probably give him some food. Like, it wouldn't just be his nothing. Oh, go. yeah, sure. But three weeks later, it yeah. could be killing him by starving him. Yeah. I'd probably, probably killing him, kind of. I'm not sure. I, there's certainly the argument about banishment being a slow, cruel death. But what it also is, is not a death. I mean, so for example, it's a tiny sliver if, of a chance. If you banish Carol, and she sets off into the wilderness, I think she survives. Yeah, I know, but we're not talking about banishing Carol. We're talking about him. In I'm talking this about context. no. I'm talking about the idea of banishment versus death. So it can well, apply to a whole range of characters. Yes, but I think it, yeah, but it's subjective. It, the idea of it is different depending on who you're talking about. I think it's true for anyone who you banish. You, say you banish this douchebag Nicholas, right? And three days later, he lucks in and meets some other group. Mm. Runs into, you know, some other version of Abraham's roving crowd. Mm. Then what punishment has he really received? Well, it's the risk of death, isn't it? It's the risk of death, that's true. But if this episode proves anything, being in the community is not totally risk-free. No, but it's still it's still a risk of, of death. I mean, it, it's... He's not really prepared for surviving that long, you know. For, as you say, for someone like Carol, she would survive on her own for quite a long time, probably. Mm. Whereas he wouldn't. And so the longer that you can expect someone to survive on their own, the less likely it is that you're actually sentencing this person to death. The more likely it is they're going to come across another group. How do we know he wouldn't? He seems to be very good at running away from danger. But he he's, also panics. He's not good he at... He panics. Yes, he panics. But th- his response to panicking is to get the fuck out of there. So, mm. you know, as long as he... All he has to do is keep himself safe and he's not trying to keep others around him safe or run particular runs to get electronic equipment for a community, why, why do we think he couldn't last a month on his own? Hmm. Yeah, maybe you're right. 
Killing all the way, I say. Well, I said killing is kinder, but... I think it's crueler, yeah, as well. It's definite. I don't know. I mean, it's... I don't know. It's like straying into the area of, you know, his life in prison and to call it crueler than the death penalty, for example. And, you know, I've kind of gone, well... You can, the thing about the death penalty that I've always always objected to is that it's irreversible. You, mm. you can't undo it. And there is always the slight possibility that someone who's convicted is actually innocent and that might come to light years and years later. Yeah. And if you've killed them, it's too late. <laughs> um, but if you've imprisoned them for life, you can let them go. But in this world, that's not a consideration. No. So... I don't know. I feel like just kill him, get it over with. I agree. Kill, kill, kill. Uh, and to be honest, I'm not sure that the cruelty of it is a factor to be considered. The cruelty, which way? The cruelty to the person. I'm not sure that's something that I would care that much about. What I would, I mean, the other thing, of course, is that if you let him go and he comes across another group, he's like, "Hey, I know this really well-resourced community." Mm. <laughs> You know, there's that risk as well. Which kind of leads into a question about... Deanna has already mentioned that she's banished three people. Mm. So those are three unknown factors wandering around out there. Mm. Potentially being another group or joining another group. And it's, like you say, it's three people walking around who have a grudge against this community Mm. and know exactly where it is. Mm. Seems like a bit of an oversight, given how careful they were with, you know, taking their time before they even approached Rick's group. Yeah, but we've also noted that they're not perfect. No. But and they've obviously thought how important it is that their location's not known. That's true. Aaron took took some strong measures to make sure that that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, before, you know, they agreed to actually go there. Hmm... I don't know. Anyway, we'll see. Now, it's not in this episode, but in some of the episodes, we've seen a bunch of walkers with W's carved into their foreheads. We've seen a bunch? I've seen one. We've seen a couple of walkers with W's carved into their foreheads. And there's some signs around the place that there's other groups roving around. Mm. Um, We've seen the the torso walkers in the back of a car. We've seen graffiti around the place. And, of course, we still don't actually know what happened to Richmond, to Noah's community. Yes. But we did receive some feedback about what it might be. Yes. Yes, one of our listeners has suggested that the W carved into the forehead might have been a reference to the wolves, which we saw some graffiti about in Richmond. Mm -hmm. Graffiti said something like... um, The wolves are coming, or the wolves wolves are are here. The wolves are near, that was it. Um, so, yes, Joe has suggested that perhaps the W is the wolves. Mm, which makes an awful lot of sense. Yeah. It's also interesting, there's a lot of, um, Reddit articles and things like that out there that, where people are compiling instances of wolves or wolf-like visuals appearing on the show. Oh, yeah. So, the comic book that Carl picked up from the kids' hangout and then later gave to Enid, Mm -hmm. that was called, um... Wolf attack. Oh, anyway, it was it was it had wolf in the title of the comic. Okay. Um, a lot of the art on walls, you know, the sort of the decorations behind characters have been pictures of wolves, toy mm. wolves. That was happening at Noah's place. <coughs> so, you know, it could just be 
a group of coincidences. Although I think the comic book is a pretty strong artistic choice. Yeah. But, you know, some of the decoration stuff could be slightly over-reading the situation. Mm. But there does seem to be a lot of stuff around the place that's hinting at wolves. Just yes. this repeated image of yes. wolves or dogs. Mm. So that's interesting. Yes. Maybe a season finale. Maybe, well, yes, maybe. I don't know. I, f- I feel like that the season finale is is going to be some kind of confrontation within the community of mm-hmm. Alexandria. You know, either a, a full-blown takeover by Rick's group or some sort of some sort of confrontation between Rick's group and the residents of Alexandria. Mm. I feel like that's where the season finale is heading. I, f- I, not, I mean, there's only two episodes left. Yeah. I don't think that's enough time to bring in a totally new antagonist who's only been hinted at before. Unless, you know, you're going to use them as the catalyst for an upheaval in Alexandria, possibly. Mm. I just, I'm not sure that there's enough time to deal with what seems to be brewing in Alexandria and have an external threat at the same time. And I would rather sort of have the Alexandria stuff really delved into and worked out and, you know, come to some kind of resolution and then have the wolves brought in in season six if they are an antagonistic group. Yeah, well, I mean, that could work really well. I think two episodes is, depending on how it's written, it's enough time to either play out the dynamics in Alexandria and, and as you say, reach some sort of resolution or it's enough time for that to partially happen and for something else to happen. Mm. Or it's enough time for that to happen, but then in the last episode to have a sort of cliffhanger moment where they're under attack. Or, yeah. You know, so, I mean, I think there's a whole lot of ways for stuff to be played out. Sure. And they're not great usually at doing, you know, um, clues across seasons or things mm. like that. But mm. you never know. It could happen. Mm. What was your favourite moment from the episode? Mm. Favourite's probably not the right word. What was your standout moment? <laughs> Impactful, I'm going to go with. Okay. What's <laughs> your word of the day? Yes. Um, I, I, reckon it was, I reckon it was Glenn having to watch Noah die. You're a sadistic bastard. I just said it wasn't my favourite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that's definitely the standout moment. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that is true horror. Well, it definitely, um, definitely meets the title of impactful. Mm. I think Glenn is... I mean, Glenn's a tough guy, obviously. He's, you know, survived up until now. And yeah. He's seen shit. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, he, he looked visibly very, very upset by what he was watching. And, you know, I think he's going to be... He's going to be asking Maggie to hold him pretty tight that night. And, you know... So yeah, that's that's my moment. Yes, well I think that's a that's a pretty solid choice for the moment. What's yours? My that was fucking awesome moment. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be Abraham using his makeshift morning star <laughs> on walkers. <laughs> yes, that was pretty impressive. It's also incidentally my nomination for zombie kill of the week. Ah, okay. I think my zombie kill of the week. And previously, I've tended to go for the sh- for the uh, sort of glorious kind of kill, yeah. um, but I'm going to depart from that. My kill of the week is going to be uh, Noah's headshot when they first arrive at the um, you know storehouse, wherever the warehouse. The warehouse. Bang takes it out, one shot to the head, mm. clean. 
I'm glad he got in a couple of good shots before <laughs> he was horribly, horribly, horribly slaughtered. Ripped apart. Oh. Ripping but, apart the cheek, you know, from the mouth outwards is, is yeah. always screaming all the time. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. What score would you give this episode? I'd give it a nine. I was I really liked this episode. That's very high. Yes. Yes. I thought about eight point five, but just the the sheer amount of significant shit that went down mm. in this episode, I think pushes it up to a nine for so me. That's higher than the Carol and Daryl on their own in the city episode for you. Yeah. Wow, okay. I was gonna say this this gets bumped all the way up to eight for me. <laughs> That's alright. It was alright. I, I like that things are progressing. A whole lot of different storylines are being followed at once. Two thumbs up for that. That's all, you know, really good. And there were, you're, you're right, there were an awful lot of what the fuck kind of moments happening. Gabriel's bullshit. Noah's death was really horrible. Um, but also the entire situation around it was really appalling. The Eugene stuff was really satisfying. I mean, he doesn't get to do heaps, but when Eugene gets mm. a moment, he really, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's very enjoyable to watch. So, yeah, there was a lot of good stuff, but it wasn't, like, one of my top episodes of all time. I it's really, really well enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed it. Obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, one of my top episodes. Mm. Interesting. Mm. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, please send it to tppfeedback at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter as at tppfeedback, and you can find us on Facebook just by searching for The People's Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Unless it's cruel. Then you can fuck right off. Bye! The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live.
Oh my god. <laughs> wow. Kill Nicholas! Kill him! Come on! Yeah! This sounds like this is bullshit. <laughs> oh dear. Oh no! Oh, no! No! Oh! Oh! I'm so excited oh, to see Carol go fucking nuts! Oh, Glenn. Oh, Glenn. Oh, Tara. Fucking Noah. I need to speak with you. Alright. Ugh. Oh. Continues to be the worst. Oh, Maggie. Oh, fuck you! Oh, boy. That chick crazy. I hate Gabriel. Oh, assholes! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 